0: All you good movie buddies to another episode of the popcorn diet a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of popcorn and other various movie snacks such as the underrated and yet always overpriced premium angus beef hot dog. Like mm-hmm. if you if you haven't eaten dinner and you're going to a movie, that's a solid that's a solid go to. But it's going to cost you $8. It's
1: also going to cost you indigestion after the movie.
0: Probably. Um, As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And joining me, as always, my co-host, The Canadian Machine, our other very good movie buddy, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how are you doing today?
1: Doing well. Busy week.
0: Busy week, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this whole week has just been, I've been feeling every single second of my age this week, it feels like. And um, but fortunately, we we got to see a movie that sort of brought us back down to the high school level. We got to see Spider-Man Homecoming this week. And um, that obviously is motivating us to talk about this week. Superhero movies. Um, and exactly, you know, superhero movies have been around for a long time. Right. Absolutely. Uh, the first superhero movie. Don't don't look at the don't read the paper if you just had to guess don't read the answer. But if you had to guess like the first superhero movie, like if I were to ask you, what's the first superhero movie?
1: I think I would have. I actually I think I would have guessed correctly if more because I would have been thinking about what was on TV first. Okay. And and so I would have gone Zorro um, only because I feel like he's been on TV forever um
0: he's i mean yeah black and white
1: yeah i don't so, know about your
0: dad but my dad had zoro yep, on
1: yep so that that would have been um but i don't know if i would have been confident enough to say a movie came out first so i probably would have gone batman
0: so batman yeah well i mean zoro i mean zoro's the correct answer zoro is the original like cinematic superhero going all the way back to the 1920s and pretty much ruling like being the only superhero through the 20s, all the way through the mid-70s. Like, they didn't really make... They made, ser- they made serials, you know, they made the black and white serials, and they made Superman with George Reeves, and they made the Batman serials, and they made Batman 66 with uh, Adam West, pouring mm-hmm. out for Adam West. Um, But really, the first big superhero movie, modern day, was Superman. It was 1970s, Christopher Reeves' Superman, which that talk about a franchise that went some weird directions yeah. it really didn't spawn any new superhero movies and it was it was pretty much dead on arrival as a franchise less than 10 years later because they made superman 3 and superman 4 which If you read, like, the the behind-the-scenes of the budgets and things like that and the budget arguments and we're going to make this one more a comedy, we're going to bring Richard Pryor in, shit like that, like, it's really weird. Um, But then after, I think, Superman's number four came out in 87, which is, you know, that movie didn't make any money. Nobody liked that movie. It looked cheap as shit. But then Tim Burton came out in 89 with Batman and had huge movie stars and a gigantic budget and a soundtrack by Prince and just was like, this, uh, this is what we're going to do. And Batman pretty much ruled the roost. That version of Batman pretty much ruled the roost. Um, and superhero movies kind of just kind of fucked around for 10 years, <laughs> for for lack of a better word. Like if we go into the the 90s and the 91s and stuff, you know, you get your Rocketeers – you get your Batman sequels, you got your Ninja Turtles, you know, and then they tried to make some comedies, some they got you got your Meteor Man's in there, the shadow, and then the blank man, the mask being a particular big one. But by like by like 97, the superhero movies were dead again. 97 was the trifecta that murdered superhero movies for a few years. Of Batman and Robin, Steel, and Spawn. If you don't remember Steel, it's the Shaquille O'Neal
1: movie. I remember. Oh, I remember.
0: Um, and then, in 2000, Brian Singer made X-Men. And that really was the first kind of shot of superhero movies. X-Men came out, and it came out on the heels of The Matrix. So... The X-Men was kind of like almost a proof of concept. X-Men was a proof of concept that you could make a cool superhero movie. They put everybody in black leather instead of the yellow spandex because black leather was cool off the off the, off the success of The Matrix. Everybody's wearing fucking black trench coats. So we're putting the X-Men in black. And then Sam Raimi came out in 2002 and really blew things up with the f- original Spider-Man. With, and I say original, but you know, it's not the original original, but the Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. I and, think that uh, was
1: the was that the first one to make over a billion.
0: Um, was the first ooh, worldwide that's a good question? I think um, it might have. I'll, f- I'll
1: I'll research that. You
0: research that. You pull that up. It it might be. That came out in two thousand and two. Um, it was damn close. Uh, if it didn't, it was it was damn close to doing it, and then after that, we got pretty much the boom of the mid two thousands superhero movies. Now, before I get into the modern superhero movies, pretty much of the last nine years or so, the I think the big thing to notice about superhero movies is that they weren't exactly the highest quality of entertainment in terms of of storytelling, you know. Um, when we polled people on facebook to to ask what their favorite superhero movies um <laughs> someone who shall remain unnamed because i'm mad at them uh, said that superhero basically superhero movies are trash like they're movies for kids and that's i mean that's not true now but it might have been true back then because superhero movies back in the 90s even in the 70s 80s 90s and the mid 2000s superhero movies were just about the next villain The next big threat, you know, like even even the Batman movies, the Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher Batman movies were just about the next villain. Uh, And the, you know, the duality like Batman Forever, the duality of Batman. Okay, well, that's tied into the duality of Two-Face and how the Riddler was kind of like an evil version of Batman where he started out as a genius and went bad. And then Batman and Robin with fucking Mr. Freeze and the Cure. Oh, Alfred's sick. Like, it's it, it was all about the villains. It was all, what's the next big villain? And it has since changed, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think one of the things as you look at the list, too, I think something that enabled the superhero world to blow up was 93 with not a superhero movie uh, in... Spielberg's Jurassic Park, which we've already talked about on, like, four podcasts. Oh, yeah. Um, But just the level of CGI in that movie. The level of effects. And effects and things like that. Because let's be honest, it's difficult to do a superhero movie without special effects. Without
0: legit special effects.
1: Like, and that's why I think maybe some of those, like, it's a credit to Tim Burton how well he did Batman in 89. Because there wasn't really any great special effects in that movie. Right. Um, same thing with Superman. Same thing with Superman. So, so that movie does not age well. It has no, not aged well. No, it at d- all has not. Uh, but then you get to X Men and Spider Man, which are seven and nine years past. Mm-hmm. When Jurassic Park came out, you just think on the level that CGI was at that point, like that. I think opened the door because you could create these bigger than life universes and these bigger than life fights. And, and feats of strength and exactly. super heroics, exactly. Things that you may have been able to pull off earlier, but they would have looked, they wouldn't have aged well right. at all, and right. they would have maybe even looked a little cheesy. Sure. Uh, so I think things like that really kind of open the door um, for superhero movies, and I'm sure there's other things that. Uh, And a historian smarter than you or I could go back and tell us that what in society opened the door for these types of things. But I do think a lot of it came down to technology really um, opening this door. Um, But then I think you also got into the time in the 2000s, the age of franchises, Mm -hmm. um, which was more so than ever before. Not Mm -hmm. that you didn't have sequels and things like that. Superman, the early Superman had four. Right. So, I mean, it's not like they weren't doing these before. Right. But as you mentioned, they were just – it was on to the next bad guy. Right. It well, was.
0: I, think, I think you just brought up a really good point. I mean, look at when superhero movies started booming after 2002. What happened at the end of 2001? 9-11. Yep. And so the world was faced with a new fear, a new, th- a new threat, if we want to use the hyperbolic terms or whatever. And people were looking for an escape. People were looking for clearly defined good versus evil. And 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 that's how movies have always been movies and and film studios and genres like look at the horror genre. The horror genre has peaks and valleys where where there's 10 years where the ghost supernatural genres popular because of some bullshit. And then there's 10 years where the slasher movies popular and monster movies. And it's all based on society. And I think you're right. I think, you, you know, when you talk about historians smarter than us. Listen, we've been watching movies for a long time. Let's not let's not shortchange ourselves here. <laughs> I think we can correlate and put two to do two and two together that the big boom in superhero movies was probably directly related to nine eleven. Sure. And this new subconscious kind of fear and helplessness that a lot of the general American public or a lot of the free world had. Sure. Um but then, you know, that kind of dies down and it's not enough. To just fight the next villain. Like, Spider-Man 3 came out in 2007. And Spider-Man 3 isn't... I i don't think Spider-Man 3 is as big of a piece of shit as a lot of people say. I do. <laughs> okay. All right, fair enough.
1: You got emo Toby, Agu- Toby Maguire. Listen, emo Peter Parker. It's got
0: some dumb things in it.
1: And, like, 37 villains.
0: Well, there you go. Well, that's my point. Is they threw all these villains at you. And that stopped being good enough. And so then 2008 comes out, and, uh uh-oh, what happens in 2008? I am Iron Man. And that is when I feel, and again, everybody, you know, we always pin it to Marvel, and I think it's kind of beating the drum, you know, kind of over and over again beating a dead horse, if you will, that Marvel is so great. But now we live in a world, and since 2008, we live in a world of, of shared universes and connected superhero movies and what I like to call the golden age of storytelling. I think we are in a golden age of visual storytelling now because not only are these universes connected, but they're telling deeper stories. We we have enough superhero movies now that we can tell different genre stories within these movies. And that's really cool to me. Like Captain America's great example. His first movie was a straight up World War II adventure movie. His second movie was a straight-up ode to 70s uh, conspiracy espionage mystery you know and then his third movie is pretty much just a big popcorn blockbuster but it also <laughs> has the same kind of hidden threat espionage type themes behind it and then you have Deadpool which is a straight up comedy. You have or the Guardians movies, which are gigantic sci-fi epics in the vein of Star Wars, all told within the realm of superhero movies. Ant Man's a heist movie. We just did our heist episode not too long ago, and now this new one coming out is Spider Man, and that's a that's a high school comedy, sure, told in a world of superheroes, and I think that that's really cool. And I think that people who discount superhero movies now as being loud, senseless drivel are ignoring the storytelling aspects.
1: But I do think there is some validity to them being loud. They're not lots. super quality movies because there are, if we go through the list, we're talking about all the successes. I mean, there's plenty of ones that you can <laughs> go through that are terrible. I mean, just, I can just stop at fantastic four. Literally anytime,
0: anyone, you don't even have to specify which anytime
1: line. they've made a fantastic four, it's been or terrible. the Punisher or even the punisher. Yeah. I mean, and, and, I, I think The Punisher, I could see some people enjoying it. Um, I'm one of but them. But I don't see anybody who enjoys Fantastic Four. Even the first
0: two, which were somewhat like moderately successful in terms of money-wise, just weren't
1: good movies. Green Lantern.
0: Yep. I mean, DC. Uh, what's really funny is the studios. It's because, because you have Marvel over here with Disney, right? And Marvel is telling this story throughout this connected universe. And and by no means are is it necessary to watch everything? Like, it's not necessary to watch all the Netflix shows and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all the movies. But if you do, you are rewarded with the little bits and pieces and the little tidbits that come from knowing that, oh, this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is lining up with Captain America Winter Soldier when when S.H.I.E.L.D. fell and Hydra turned out to be part of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's something that's really, really fulfilling when it comes to Marvel movies, I think. Um, and that's really cool, in my opinion. I really, really dig that.
1: Yeah, well, and I think there's been some, some fun, like, one-offs that they haven't gone too crazy off um, on superheroes. I mean, and, and I think there's also a difference between a superhero film and a comic book film. Oh, for sure. You know, because you have, like like we were talking about before, uh, V for Vendetta. Right. And I don't really think of that as a superhero film. I think of that more as a comic book film. Sure. One that I don't think we saw when we did the whole list of superheroes was even something like Watchmen. You know, something that's really become popular lately has been... You know, taking those adult comics, those uh right. graphic novels, right. and turning them in. We got another one coming up this year. Um in Valerian.
0: Valerian, uh three hundred, thirty days a night, even fucking two guns. Yeah. Marky Mark and Denzel, <laughs> that was based off of a graphic novel. Yeah. So yeah, you're 100% correct that there is a difference between superhero films and comic book films. Yes. That's why we're focusing on those superhero films. Yeah. But like, and we'll get into spoilers for Homecoming, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming later on. But there are so many little touches throughout Spider-Man Homecoming that after you've watched the the all of the Marvel movies, they've it feels good to be like oh, that's what happened earlier. Like, like we're basically telling individual stories in a fully connected universe, and that is a balancing act that I feel should be commended. Now, DC, <laughs> doing things slightly different, uh, whereas they're just j- jumping right into the Justice League. Uh, and, you know, they've done that to varying degrees of success. Um, obviously, Wonder Woman came out this year and kicked a ton of ass, and it's a great film. Um, but Suicide Squad and Batman vs Superman came out last year and made a pretty decent amount of money, sure, but got absolutely ripped up by the critics. And they just aren't showing their work. They're, they're jumping right into Justice League. But what I think is really fun about the Marvel universe, or I'm sorry, the DC universe, is that unlike the Marvel universe where they're all connected and everything is part of the same timeline, the DC universe has the multiverse – so there's infinite earths there's 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 multiple realities right So you have Christopher Nolan's movies Batman's movies right the dark knight trilogy you have the Christopher Reeve Superman movies you have the current Batman Superman universe that they're building on screen right where we have Henry Cavill as Superman but then you have the television shows on the CW which you and I watch Pretty regularly. Flash, sure. Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, and Supergirl's got it its own Superman, which I think is a way better characterization of Superman than, than the one on film. Sure. Even though he's not quite as jacked, he's not even remotely as jacked as Henry <laughs> Cavill is. Um, but what's really cool is Flash did something really cool, and when he was like running through the multiverse, they showed um the Flash from the 80s television show, mm-hmm. right? Positing Basically saying that, oh, that is canon, except it's in a different universe. So even though they're recasting Flash and they got a different Flash in in the movies than they do on the TV shows and whatnot. I think it's really interesting that they could, even if they aren't coming out and saying it like directly, that one can excuse all of these different DC things by saying that they're just in different universes Thus, still making them part of one gigantic multi universe story, although not quite as connected as Marvel.
1: Yeah, and that would take like 30 minutes to try to explain, right?
0: That. Well, I mean, not really. The idea is that you know, the CW show, I mean, the CW already does it. Supergirl is part of a different earth than Arrow and Flash are.
1: Well, I know, right? But I'm saying the implications of what that all means it's true, in that because that's technically a Barry Allen. In each of these worlds. Yes. But Some they may not be f- called Barry Allen. Th- it's the be, same. They they're, be- they're the doppelganger to them, but they're called maybe something else. Or
0: they might not all be flashes. Or they they're may- all Barry Allens. Yes. But they might not all be flashes. Yeah. So that's just interesting to me.
1: It's like Inception.
0: Well, it's and it's the same with television. Like, like I said, we're in the age of long-form storytelling where it's not enough to just – have another episode of Law & Order, although another episode of Law & Order is perfectly fine. It is this happened, and then this happened because of it, and then this happened because of it. That's why Game of Thrones is so popular. It's why Walking Dead is so popular. Shows like Fargo, shows like Preacher, because they all tell a a full, complete story over 10 to 12 episodes. We're basically telling long-form storytelling instead of episodic storytelling now
1: and you could go on for hours on on explaining all of these things but uh, let's go into our top 10 <laughs> as
0: as as david <laughs> uh, pulls the pulls the
1: safety chute someone needs to pull the reins back on rick
0: d- before i before i get re- because i very much could talk for an hour absolutely about all the connected universes and long form storytelling i think it's one of the best times to be watching movies or watching tv shows right now
1: it's just The Netflix. Great. We didn't even talk about the Netflix.
0: We didn't even talk about the Netflix shows and how they're all connected or how the defenders are coming out. Like that is just cool.
1: Absolutely. There's
0: that that's just if anything, if anything, and this will be my last point before we get into our top ten, it just shows that the people making these things are at least thinking harder about it. And that is enough for me. And
1: Absolutely. maybe not from other people. But well, I think you me. see it. I mean, the credibility goes to and, – and obviously, they'll just take checks wherever they can get them most of the time. Of course. But you can see by the quality of talent that is going to TV shows now. Yeah. Um, especially HBO shows um, or Showtime shows and those mm-hmm. types of things. So – um, All right, definitely a fun time to be a, a movie superhero fan.
0: Absolutely, it's a fun time to be be a fan of films and be a fan of uh, of TV shows. But as you said, as you so eloquently put, let's do our top ten.
1: <laughs> All right, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to steal first. We're assembling we're, our top ten because Rick needs to take a breath.
0: I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little drink here. I'm gonna take a breath. All right, so
1: so for me it was it was uh, there's so many films out there, but actually it was kind of tough putting to, a top ten together. It's not easy. Um, mostly because I think, with a lot of superhero movies, a lot of them are just kind of on a similar level for me. It's not—it's not that they're bad movies by any means, but right. it's hard to differentiate. I liked this one better than this one, especially when we get into the Marvel universe with like Avengers and and things like that. Uh, they're all
0: pretty consistent in their quality.
1: Yeah, and so actually, funny enough, um, there may be some interesting omission, omissions for me, but. Anyways, we're going to roll with it. Uh, number 10 for me, uh, maybe it was because it it helped me start to heal my wounds after X-Men 3 <laughs> and Brett I was going to say,
0: what wounds? And then, okay, that, yeah. Uh, after but,
1: X-Men 3 just
0: came in and, and punched us all in the face? Yeah. It, I, I don't
1: think, you know, I've seen movies where characters die at the end and it's super depressing you sure. know you have those depressing movies you know think of like green mile sure. or sure uh, things like that sure x-men 3 depressed me more than any of those wow
0: x-men <laughs> 3 brought out more emotion from
1: you <laughs> x-men 3 was like well we literally can't make another x-men movie david with these characters through, because david
0: gets through saving private ryan he's like oh, fine great movie gets through x-men 3 and we got to get, get him some antidepressants. So,
1: X-Men First Class, it yes. was the, not only was it a great movie, and I love the fact that Kevin Bacon was the main villain, um, but it also gave us hope that we could get more X-Men movies, and they could be of great quality, mm-hmm. and we could somewhat forget the atrocity that was X-Men 3. So... So many things wrong with number that. 10 for me oh was uh, X Men First Class. I like number it. nine, um, a one that I hesitated putting on here, but man, I've seen it twice now and I loved it. Okay. Is Wonder Woman okay? Like, I have very few things that I can make a beef with. With Wonder Woman, I loved that movie. Um, and we did a whole episode, so I'm not going to talk much. We're on not it. percolating on it, no. Uh, number eight, Batman Begins. Okay. uh the the underrated of the three
0: the really unheralded, yes, yeah. no
1: everybody kind yeah. of, and the thing is is it was it was a true origin story. And I know we've had tons of origin stories and everybody knows who Batman is right. And so I think some people crap on it because they felt like we didn't need to hear the story of how Batman right began. Again, but like I that? think they told things that hadn't really been on film before. Sure, um, he's
0: not Batman till like halfway through that movie.
1: Exactly, um, and so because that's more the focus of that movie, you didn't need some larger than life villain, uh, and I think that's another thing that it always gets knocked for was that the villain wasn't that great in Scarecrow, right? Um, which or, I or Razakul, yeah, or Um But I really liked, obviously. It's probably getting some credit because it kicked off one of my favorite franchises of all time, if not my favorite, um, and gave us so much better after that. So number eight was Batman Begins. Number seven is one that does not belong on any top 10 list. But <laughs> you know what? I love this movie for, for all the right reasons. And uh, that is Mystery Men. Hell yeah. Um, I love the soundtrack. I love the characters in it. It's hilarious. Um, you've got so many people in that movie, even, even like Dane Cook, who I'm not a Dane Cook fan, but he makes a cameo as the waffle man, um, in the superhero tryouts. And they're it's not true. superheroes by any means. You mean you got the blue Raja who throws forks, um, cutlery cutlery. <laughs> well, forks is the is most common one, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you've got Ben Stiller playing someone who's basically a normal guy who tries to act like he's, a superhero in Mr. Furious. All his superpower is is that he gets really pissed. <laughs> it's awesome. So, it's so good. I love that movie. If you haven't seen it, you will not watch it and say this is a fantastic movie. But hopefully you get some good laughs out of it. I think it. <laughs> if
0: that movie comes out today, maybe not today, maybe if that movie comes out five years ago, it makes like at least $100 million. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe switch up the little bit of the cast. Yeah.
1: Uh, number six. This is going to be a little stretch of Marvel movies here. Uh, Captain America Two. I love all the Captain America movies, but Two to me had just like the right balance of characters. Of like, obviously, I enjoy the spy espionage sort of um, background to the whole thing. Right. Um, I felt like you know I loved Captain America One and the adventure film and that kind of thing. Wasn't a huge fan of the of whatever red face. (laughs) <laughs> or whoever red the skull? Uh, red skull sorry Oh,
0: red skull's great
1: <laughs> i mean i like him but uh you know i just enjoyed all the the story of of captain america 2 uh, a little bit better so uh number five for me is one that i didn't have any expectations going in and maybe that's why it gets rated higher is guardians the first one okay um guardians of the galaxy um I love that movie. I mean, there's that's another one where I can find very few faults in. Um, Chris Pat, all the cast was hilarious in it. Um, and it was, the music really drove that movie too. Like, even just from the opening scene, I love that opening scene. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and they got to make a huge, basically, space opera in the yeah. Marvel Universe. And look,
1: I'm already a space fan. I'm a Star sure. Trek, Star Wars fan. So getting another space film for me is never a bad thing. <laughs> Um, number four, Iron Man, the first one. I think you got to give love to the original that started it all. That movie's awesome. It introduced us to Robert Downey Jr.'s take on, on Tony Stark, and I love sarcasm, and that movie is riddled with sarcasm. It's Del- delightfully sarcastic. <laughs> um, but I think it was just a, a really fun kickoff to everything that we've gotten since then. Um, Music in it was great, too. Uh, it wasn't quite an ACDC soundtrack like the second one, I think, was no. actually just the ACDC soundtrack. Right. Uh, but I love that movie. Um, number three, another surprise one for me that I wouldn't have expected to be in my top three was Deadpool. Okay. And, and I'm a sucker for comedies. I like laughing in my movies. Sure. And Deadpool to me, it was like un, it was like no other superhero movie that we had seen. Um, even just down to the marketing, I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can rewatch <laughs> some of the marketing for Deadpool yeah. and and really enjoy it. Like I was so hyped to see that movie by the time it came out. Um, like I can't think of a better job. The only one that rivals it, and it's actually going to be my number one movie. The only one that rivals it in its marketing is my number one movie okay um but i love that movie i love the characters i love um that it still ties in a little bit with the x-men universe yeah um which is fun or even
0: in larger marvel universe like the final fights on a helicarrier even on a crashed helicarrier even though they never say it because they can't yeah Yeah. but yeah 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 absolutely
1: yep um number two the top two are are basically part of the same uh, number two is Dark Knight Rises. Okay. Um, love me some Bane, I, and I can't do take the voice. Back
0: your si- <laughs> take back your city, Gotham. <laughs> oh, you think darkness is your ally? <laughs> I haven't pulled that out in a long time. <laughs> uh,
1: but it, look, I'm as as my top ten shows. I'm a huge Christopher Nolan's Batman fan. Uh, huge Christian Bale Batman. I love. Uh, even the things that come up to make fun of him, like the funnier guy talking about how he got his voice. Um, All that stuff, I love it. Uh, And then number one, which should be pretty obvious, is is Dark Knight. Sure. Um, I, I mean, I don't think it really needs to be explained a whole lot, but Heath Ledger's Joker, to me, will be hard to, you could argue is the best character ever. In a comic book like, movie or a superhero. I'll movie. go ever. It's ever. it's up Ooh. there. It's up there for me. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, I know Just it's hard. In to, film. In film, it's it's it would be in the top ten for me. I'm pretty confident saying that. Sure. Um, so and you know, the movie itself is great. Um, you know, I can watch that movie over and over and over and over. I mean, and I have. Right. I'll watch it that anytime it's on TV. That movie is, was so
0: good that it forced the Academy to change their rules. Like, that, that that movie did not get nominated for Best Picture. And the next year, the Academy opened it up to 10 Best Picture nominees.
1: And the fact that it wasn't nominated for Best Picture is... is a
0: fucking travesty. Yeah, it's, <laughs>
1: it's ridiculous. Um, and you know what? The other thing I'll say about that, too, is the cool thing about it for me, which is something that makes a film... Up there for me too, is it has the ultimate like I can turn if it's on TV and I switch to it, doesn't matter what part of the movie it's in, Mm -hmm. I will be hooked for at least 10, 15 minutes, sure, if not till the end of the film, right? Like, because there is no lull in that movie to me, like, there's no point where I'm like, okay. Like if we're if we're going to uh, run pee right, 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 right the run pee app. Am I gonna run like to I I wouldn't be able to if I did the one for that one, I wouldn't be able to put on there when is a good time to run to the bathroom because I enjoy every minute <laughs> the of the whole movie. movie. So uh, those are my top ten. It's a good top um, ten. There's there's lots of omissions on there. I didn't put the Avengers on there. Uh, and some of that's because I'm more of a sucker for the the individual sure. stories and sure. the individual uh, ones. But Avengers is fantastic and could easily make my top ten too. Oh, for sure.
0: I mean, that's my. I actually I have a fairly different top ten, and I think that's what's exciting about these movies is that you know DC is telling movies that are basically about living gods, and Marvel is telling stories about basically these imperfect humans, Um, and I think that that's really cool. Now, movies that didn't make my list: Guardians didn't make my list, Wonder Woman didn't make my list, Batman Forever. As much as I love that stupid fucking movie didn't make my list. Um there Little are me this. there are a lot of movies that didn't make my list. Um obviously I didn't do just 10. Um I do want to give a special mention. This movie should not be on the top 10 list of anything ever either. But damn, do I love The Phantom with Billy Zane. Like I do. I don't I I do. It's it's an it's a pure adventure movie set in the 40s. Catherine Zetta Jones is this, like her intro movie. Treat Williams is an insane bad guy. Like, it's not a great film. It is not a great film. It's not even a good film. But damn, do I love The Phantom. And I just had to put that special mention to The Phantom.
1: Listen to your boy, Billy Zane.
0: Listen to your boy, Billy Zane. He's a cool dude. It's a great movie. It's, it's not a great movie, but it is a great movie. <laughs> uh, number 10 for me, I went back to the original. Superhero, not to the 1920s version, but it's The Mask of Zorro uh, uh, with uh, Antonio Banderas and uh, Anthony Hopkins and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Really? That is a borderline perfect adventure movie. Like, it is it is an amazing, excellent adventure movie with excellent practical effects. It's It swashes those buckles. You know how much I love swashbuckling. buckling And it's and the villains the duel with the villains at the end. The music is great. The stunts are great The characters are great. The villains are great. I just dig it. I just dig it a lot. So it made my top 10 Uh, number nine is uh, x2 x-men united Which is the movie that and and first class like I could swap it out with first class easily but x2 x-men united was the movie that was like, oh we can make like full straight superhero movies without having to be super serious. Like it got, like you had Colossus show up, you had X 23, you had so many different new characters show up and such a great villain in William Stryker. And I know that like we were shitting on superhero movies because they were just moving on to the next villain, but great villains make great superhero movies. Dark Knight is a perfect example. And um, that's the legend of Zorro. That you pull up the mask of Zorro, and then you can laugh at me while not saying anything into the microphone. You <laughs> sneaky bastard! Pull I that gonna... up. Pull that up. David's pulling up the Legend of Zorro, which is the sequel, which is not a great film. And the Legend of Zorro had like a twenty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But if you pull up the mask of Zorro,
1: all right, all right, it was it was certified fresh. Thank you, you're, David. You're right. You're
0: Fucking right. Don't have to justify myself <laughs> to you. <laughs> X two X Men United is my number nine, <laughs> bastard. <laughs> number eight is uh, is the original Iron Man. the The original it was the one that started it all. Um, and I think more than anything else, it was so well cast. It was so put. It was put together with such confidence. Even though at the time Iron Man was not like the A level in Marvel's superhero pantheon. It did such a good job. Not to mention that that when Sam Jackson showed up at the end credits, and mentioned the Avengers Initiative, that literally, literally changed the world. Like in 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 the filmmaking world and the way that we all watch movies now, that changed everything. And so you got to put it on here.
1: Poor Terrence Howard. Poor Terrence. Oh, poor Terrence Howard. Pour one out for Terrence.
0: Pour one out. He's doing fine. He's on Empire. You're right, he's
1: on a TV show that makes millions millions. a franchise that makes billions.
0: I mean, he's doing fine. Um, (laughs) Number seven uh, is, uh, this is my run of Marvel movies. So number seven is Doctor Strange. Uh, I really like Doctor Strange because I felt that it told um, a very similar story to Iron Man, but it told it more effectively. Like, Iron Man is a story about an arrogant guy who learns his lesson And
1: but doesn't really learn his He's
0: still arrogant. (laughs) He's just arrogant in a different direction instead of being an arrogant, selfless prick. He's an arrogant or self selfish prick. He's an arrogant, like helpful prick now, but (laughs) he's not selfless. He's always Tony Stark is always an arrogant prick and he never stops being an arrogant prick. Doctor Strange is still an arrogant prick, but he starts basically two thirds of that movie is him trying to learn the magic so that he can just heal himself, so that he can get his hands back for very selfish reasons. And then at the end of the film, he he makes a decision that shows a full, complete character arc in a way that Tony Stark never has by making the decision to basically lock himself in, in a time loop with Dormammu. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. And willing to be tortured and slaughtered for all of eternity just to save humanity was, that hit me. And that still means a lot to me. I still think that that is such a profound character choice. And that's one of the reasons why it's on my top 10. Not to mention the fact that it's perfectly cast uh, as is everything. Uh, Number six, the Avengers. Uh, Just watched this movie again the other night. And when they, when Hulk does the, that's my secret cap, I'm always angry. Turns, punches that dragon in the face, and then all of the chitari are like screaming at him like oh shit, and then they're in the in the circle and the music swells. I still get all like straight choked up. Like I get all tingly inside. And and it is rare that a movie moment in any movie can do that to me on a consistent basis. Maybe
1: that's because you know what happens beforehand.
0: Maybe that's because, maybe it's because I know what happens beforehand. Maybe it doesn't, it doesn't diminish it (laughs) as it never does. It it only solidifies it at how good it is. Number 5 even though you said that it doesn't belong on any top 10 list I think you'll be very happy to hear not only that I have it on my top 10 at number 5 but a lot of other people listed Mystery Men as one of their favorite superhero movies and I think there's a little bit of a nostalgia factor there um, but as you said or as I said before I think if that movie comes out now with Ben Stiller and William H Macy and maybe you tweak the cast a little bit I think that movie does a lot better than it did before maybe not 100 million but maybe 70 million like, I think, because that movie didn't make any money.
1: No. I don't think. Um, Casanova, Frankenstein. Oh, Jeffrey Rush. Yeah. Jeffrey Rush is great. I feel like we need to. Jeffrey Rush is a fantastic villain. Listen.
0: He's a fantastic villain, but he's also like, he's in The King's Speech, yeah. and then he's in Pirates, and he's in Mystery Men, and then he's in this movie. Like, he likes doing everything, and yeah. I dig that about him.
1: He's funny, too.
0: He's super funny. He's great in that movie. Um... Number 4 is uh is Spider-Man 2. I mean Spider-Man Homecoming is great, but Spider-Man 2 and and Spider-Man Homecoming might might be the best Spider-Man film. It's in the conversation, but Spider-Man 2 is so fucking good and it has the best villain. Doctor Octopus is the best as a character as a realized like comic book villain to screen. Better than the Green Goblin who is just a Power Ranger. Like, that is Dr. Octopus as he should be on the screen. And it's great characters. And it's it's the peak everybody. Tobey Maguire's at his best. Even Kirsten Dunst is at her best. Even though I wasn't a gigantic fan of her Mary Jane. Spider-Man 2 is amazing. Number three is one that I think a lot of people forget about in the superhero conversation. And it's The Incredibles. It's not a comic book movie. It's an original superhero movie. It also happens to be the best Fantastic Four movie ever made, even though mm-hmm. it's not an actual Fantastic Four movie. But that is the best version of the Fantastic Four that has been ever made. Brad Bird, literally a borderline perfect animated adventure film. Just uh, uh, excellent. Excellent all around. And finally, I'm so super happy that we're getting a sequel. Number two, The Dark Knight and number two. Wow. I know. Controversial maybe. The Dark Knight is probably the best the best like objectively speaking uh the best superhero movie like ever made. Like it just it's it's perfect. It is a Oscar quality film. And it's a perfect crime film and everything like that. And actually th- this really kind of is a is an ode to the entire Christopher Nolan trilogy because as you said Batman Begins doesn't get a lot of love and I think it's because it's called Batman Begins and not the Dark Knight Begins Mm -hmm. if it was called the Dark Knight Begins and then you have the full Dark Knight trilogy I bet you it gets a little more love yeah but it wasn't it was called the the Batman Begins which really it
1: should have been called Batman Begins because like you said Batman there is no Batman until halfway through the film right
0: I mean it's true it's an accurate title
1: but it gets it doesn't get associated as closely with the franchise. Like no, two and three.
0: No, but that is another version of long form storytelling. Like that is a full, complete, closed-off trilogy. Yeah. Beginning, middle, end. And The Dark Knight is the best one. And my number one, my two favorite superhero movies are Batman and Captain America. They are my two favorite. And Captain America, The Winter Soldier, is my number one favorite superhero movie because it raises the game everywhere. It is, it it takes a character like Captain America, somebody who should be cheesy and goofy and puts him into a modern world accurately without changing his character and tells a story that has callbacks to the original, which was set in World War II, and implications into the future. The action is amazing. The storytelling, the, the, the emotion between him and The Winter Soldier, Bucky, spoiler alert, is, is so good. And um, it is probably my favorite, I mean, it is my favorite superhero movie. So Captain America, The Winter Soldier, takes the cake for me on my top ten. And that's my top ten. Um, and we actually got a lot of feedback uh, for everybody else's favorite superhero movie, so we're gonna go in really quickly and we're gonna kind of just run through some of uh, what what your favorite superhero movies are. As always, we're looking for your feedback, so give us a follow on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet. Starting with Twitter user Bronski, the Hulk. Just just likes. I mean, I don't know now. See, I think that that's a super character. I'm gonna give him the credit of
1: saying the second one. The second Hulk.
0: Even and though that, Ang Lee's Hulk, I feel, it's not great, but it's also underrated at the same time.
1: The second Hulk. Ang- yeah, okay,
0: fine. <laughs> uh, just for the sake of time, I won't get into it, but I could. I could. How Academy Award-winning director Ang Lee tried his damnedest to make a pure superhero movie, and it's weird as shit. And Nick Nolte's weird as shit in that movie. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Um, so Bronsky thank you uh, at Bronsky D 20 much appreciated there on Instagram. We have user the underscore Richie D gave us his top 10 um, The top two are Batman Begins in the Dark Knight. So I mean that's pretty consistent across the board His number three was Winter Soldier Deadpool Guardians of the Galaxy. He threw the Incredibles on there uh, He threw the original Iron Man on there and then Logan X-Men First Class and the X-Men Days of Futures Past as well um, and then Instagram user Tremaine Ranch was one of the first people to throw out Mystery Men. So definitely keep that in mind. Um, on uh, on uh, on Facebook, Robert Ensley throwing it out, and I know you appreciate this, uh, and we talked about this at our last episode, but uh, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, particularly Absolutely. Teenage Mutant Ninja
1: Turtles 2. I was going to say, Secret of the Ooze is uh, is better film. The
0: Secret of the Ooze is, is the better film, and it's got ice, ice vanilla ice in it. That's a ninja rap. And it's got Casey Jones. It's got Super Shredder. First one's got Casey Jones. Second not as, not one's got, as much. Second one's got Kino.
1: It's true. Kino, er- the uh, pizza delivery guy. Yeah,
0: Ernie Reyes yep. Jr. And so we had a lot of Facebook. Um, I'm going to go through. I mean, a lot of people said the Dark Knight. Mario Kanye said the Dark Knight. Um, a, I mean, a lot of people. Dustin Deal, John Holman. Uh, who else we got here? Let's see. So yeah, they all said the Dark Knight. Um, <laughs> Bill Winterberg, <laughs> our our good friend, Bill Winterberg, throwing out the nineteen eighty nine eight eighty one movie Condor Man. Ooh. If you don't know Condor Man, look that shit up. It is bananas. Like and <laughs> not in a great way. Um, and then uh, and then our boy David Connor threw out the greatest American hero from television as well. Right. Um, Dale Whitaker threw out Deadpool and Wolverine. We had a lot of people throw out Deadpool as well. Um, Deadpool was really really popular. Uh, Jenna Dimer. Said Deadpool. Um, Drew Streeter throughout the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Kyle Van Pelt, Mystery Men. Uh, a lot of people wow. like Mystery Men. Leah Theodosis agrees. So we get some get some mystery men love there.
1: Um too bad none of these people went inside in theaters.
0: <laughs> it's too bad. It's just too bad. Well, you know, it became a cult classic on it video. Did. Uh David Kirkby went with Avengers, Civil War, maybe Doctor Strange on there and then the Dark Knight Rises. Um Brian McLaughlin wound up being able to answer the question. He actually, throughout Suicide Squad, really liked that movie, even though it's not technically a superhero film, more of an antihero film. I still accept it. i us still throw it out there. Um, Julianne throughout the original 1989 Michael Keaton Batman. Right. Uh, Sarah McIntyre said The Watchmen, and then probably my, fa- <laughs> probably my favorite answer. And I want to make sure I don't, I don't get anyone else. On here, but probably my favorite answer is um, is Tom Mueller, who said Tank Girl. So, so that happened. <laughs> it's probably my favorite answer. Um, a lot of people said The Dark Knight. A lot of people said The Winter Soldier. Mystery Men showed up quite a few times. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, it's some really good feedback. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, and now. That leads us into the movie of the week, the movie that we saw a couple nights ago, Spider-Man Homecoming, the return of Spider-Man. Um, from uh, from my circle of friends, just for a lot of people that I just seem to talk to, we're like, really, we going to get a new Spider-Man again? And I wonder why that is. Well, I
1: think it's pretty valid. I mean, we've had... I mean, we've had three Spider Mans in what the last twenty years? Less than the last twenty years. Less the last than fifteen. Years. Yeah. Because Spider Man One came out two thousand two, right? Two thousand two. Yeah. So it's two thousand seventeen, and we've had three diff- three different actors play Spider Man. Okay. And I think the big issue people had was the Amazing Spider Man um, told the same story. Told the same story. Introduced the same characters. Right. And really. I mean, I think Andrew Garfield played the character well. They may have gotten the character wrong, but the character he was asked to well, he's a little bit
0: cooler. I don't think Peter
1: Parker ever skateboarded in the comics.
0: But the the definition of nerd or outcast has changed. I know. I don't think the definition of nerd or outcast has ever included. But I think I think that's
1: the issue. Is there's a lot of people. Fifteen years isn't that long of a time to go through three different Spider Men. Like I don't even think Batman went through.
0: Mm, Batman that quickly. Well, Batman had a long period of rest before we got a second. Batman went through Batman pretty quickly. Between 1989 and 1997, we had three Batman. Sure. So, I mean, spider Man in 15 years. Well, I think
1: that's that's part of some people's issues even with Batman was that we kept getting different ones and there was no continuity from that standpoint. And I think, um, you know, I don't think everybody looks... Spider-Man was a huge hit, the original, Right. obviously. We've already talked about that. Um, But it ended kind of on a sour note for most people.
0: Now, do you think people had a problem with the character, or do you think people thought that we were going to get another
1: origin story? Um, Because I I feel
0: like that might might be what it is.
1: I think some of it's that we keep rebooting an origin story to some point, which, to their credit, we didn't get. And and I think one thing that they did well is that, and obviously there's the whole backstory that you can bring up about how this is the first one that Sony has brought Sony in fucked Marvel up Spider-Man on.
0: so much that they Marvel was like, please let us help you make this movie. You can distribute it. You can make all the money.
1: And and the and the good thing that they did was that really, to some point, they introduced him in another movie, which kind of got you around having to tell the origin story. Right. Because when they went and picked him up for X-Men, or not (laughs) X-Men, Captain America Civil Civil War. War. (laughs) Um, Too many superheroes on the mic. So many superheroes. Um, He was already... In his own costume that he made for himself Uh going around the city. He's already been
0: established for like six months.
1: Uncle Ben's already died. Right. We don't have to see Uncle Ben die for a third time in the last 15 years.
0: We don't have to see him (laughs) learn his powers again.
1: Exactly. So, uh, which they also took a different take on his powers, too. Because in the previous Spider-Man, when he got bit by the spider, suddenly he could shoot In the first one. In In the 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 Tobey
0: Maguire one. one, they gave him organic web shooters. Yeah. In the Andrew Garfield one, they had him build them. Yes. That's comic in the comic books. It depends on what version, because there's the ultimate Spider-Man and shit like that. But in the comic books, the original Spider-Man was super genius and built his own web fluid.
1: Yeah. So really the only thing that the spider biting him gave him was the strength and the ability to wall crawl. Wall and, crawl and right. those types of things. Um so you 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 had that back. Um, but you had most of it from is while well, he's a genius because he's going to this smart school and all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of the stuff that he gets is from Tony Stark. So you kind of, it changes the story around so we don't have to go through the origin, like you said, right. learning learning his abilities, which he does have to learn his abilities. He's more learning how to use the suit, the suit right. in this movie. Right, he's got um, this
0: whole, and we're not going to, no spoilers.
1: Not to spoilers, No spoilers,
0: yet. but he does spend a lot of time learning the suit.
1: But I think that's why I think people were particularly cautious um, sure. of this movie. Um, I do like that they finally went young with, they with didn't uh, cast a Peter Parker. Old. Yeah, we're not having a 26... Andrew Garfield 30.
0: was 29, I think. And he... Listen, granted, he looks young.
1: Again. A, a, and he was l- great. Listen, the, those two mans great. The, at the bottom of the list of the issues with that movie was Andrew Garfield. Right. He was not the issue right. with those movies. Right. Um, so I think... From that standpoint, I think they finally got it right going younger because that allows you to have a little bit more of like what you described it as, as the high school comedy. Mm-hmm. So I think from that standpoint, I think people were a little little cautious of it. But I think anybody that goes and sees it, and if I think if you were cautious about it, you need to go out and see it.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, it just decided it came out and is awesome and it's going to overperform. Um, I I agree. I think casting Tom Holland is a stroke of genius. The guy's 20, um, but he plays a sophomore. He plays 15. And I think by casting them that young, you really kind of pump up the tension in a way. Like you feel more worried about this Spider-Man because he's not a man. He is very much a boy. And in the decisions that he makes, a lot of times... He screws up the first or second time, like even in even the the ATM fight, like he fucks that up, you know, and and but the thing that makes this Spider-Man so endearing is that, yeah, he's a kid and, yeah, he keeps screwing things up, but he doesn't ever give up. like He's always like, I still need to do this right thing. I still need to, you know, it's my responsibility. I need to do it. and I think that's a really interesting like turn for the character, because. This Spider-Man loves being Spider-Man and hates being Peter Parker. Like, he is ready to give up being Peter Parker and be full-time Spider-Man. He's ready to drop out of school. He's ready to give up. Like, he's constantly at war with that. And I think that that's a really interesting way to take the character because it it gives him an arc of it's, it's important that you don't do too many superheroics. You know, it's important that you focus on the small things. And I really like that.
1: Well, and I think of think of when Daniel Craig, James Bond came out. Right. I think about when Dark Knight came out. Right. One thing that I always think in common with both of those is Daniel Craig and Christian Bale get the crap beat out of them a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. And I think to some point, I think we're a little tired of, like, these invincible characters that never seem to struggle, that, you know, like even an Iron Man, while he gets beat up and things like that, like, he's this flying machine from that standpoint, and technologically is on, like, another level, where you have these guys that are a little little bit more down-to-earth, a little bit more everyday person, even though he was bit by a spider and has this crazy strength and all these other things he can do. But it's good to see an imperfect superhero.
0: Exactly. Their biggest weakness is they got beat up. Like, they'll just get up and keep fighting. Spider-Man's biggest weakness is that he keeps screwing up. Yeah. Uh, And that's a fascinating direction to take. Um, This movie is super well cast. Like, the young, I mean, they do a really great balance of casting his high school life and his superhero life. Like, his high school life has all of these young cast members who all play brand new versions of characters that you're very familiar with. Ned, his friend the chubby best friend, um, even Flash Thompson, who's the traditional jerk. He's not in all the other Spider-Man movies is big jock douchebag. Now he's just a rich, collar-popping DJ douchebag. And I think that that was a great change yeah. because the bully, quote-unquote, the bully has changed. The bully is no longer just the big jock flushing a dweeb's head in the toilet. The bully's just kind of an arrogant, rich prick.
1: Or Doyle rules
0: <laughs> exactly, uh, and so and and he's the kind of guy who's not outwardly mean. He says mean things, but with a smile on his face, like calling him Penis Parker. He's yeah. like, "What's up, Penis Parker?" Like he's just a dick. Yeah, and and I really like that, and I loved his high school teachers. I loved Hannibal Burris showing up for a little bit. I love that they cast the same Asian guy from captain america who in the first captain america the same asian guy was in captain america's howling commandos group and this guy plays his principal and there's a there's a reason why and if you watch the movie and pay attention you'll see a connection that just is cool to have um and martin Starr was my martin Starr had a line in the movie i will not spoil it here because it's out of context, it's not as funny. But Martin Starr has a line in the movie that made me laugh so hard it hurt. I think it's the funniest thing I've heard all year.
1: And for those of you that are like me, that don't know actors as well by their names, yeah. Martin Starr is one of the cast of Silicon he's Valley. In Silicon for those...
0: Valley. He's been in Knocked Up.
1: Yeah. He's, uh, he's part of
0: Seth Rogen's crew and that that comedy crew.
1: Yeah, and and actually at first, like you kind of do a double take because he's all cleaned up. He is a he's little a teacher. And you might not recognize him at first, but he is hilarious in there.
0: Um, and then the villains. Um, you know, not only Michael Keaton, who we'll talk about in a second, but the, the smaller, the minor villains, the two shockers, Bakeem Woodbine and um, and Logan Marshall Green, or having Donald Glover show up as like a low-level thug who's who's got connect, Like everybody's got little connections. Mm-hmm. And I just did that. I just think that that's really cool. That they do that. And then, of course, they're bringing back Robert De Niro, Robert Robert Downey Jr. That'd be great. That would be crazy Iron Man, (laughs) Robert De Niro. (laughs) I am Iron Man. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, But he's not in this movie as much as you think he is. Obviously, they want to advertise him because Iron Man's still super popular and you're team Iron Man and all that stuff. But Jon Favreau's in it more as Happy Hogan
1: as his liaison but i think tony stark drives this movie a lot not from a making this movie good but he's at the central theme of this movie which you brought up a little bit which is the balance between being the superhero spider-man and still being a kid and still being peter parker right and you know obviously tony stark delivers the line that it was i think it's in one of the trailers so this shouldn't be a spoiler about if you're nothing without the suit, then you don't deserve to. Then have you it. don't deserve to have it. Right. And I think that's kind of the driving theme of this about like the character of Spider-Man, Peter Parker, figuring out, you know, what's the balance in there. How is he still a kid sure. with friends and a life, but also, you know, doing the thing that he loves, which is being Spider-Man and protecting, you know, innocent people and things like that. Sure. And so I think. He drives it and I think it all gets kicked off by he wouldn't he wouldn't be with this struggle if they had never snatched him up and taken him to go battle right with Tony, the Avengers. Tony
0: Stark gives him this sense of purpose and gives him give him gives him the sense of like you're more important than and, just a high school student. And then scene. they take him to 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 Germany and he fights all of the Avengers and then Tony just plucks him back into his regular world.
1: Yeah. And it would make sense. It'd be like if you were a high school basketball player and you got called up and played in an NBA game. Right. And then brought you back down to high school. It'd be hard to think about it from the standpoint of I'm going to focus on my studies. You'd be thinking, like, I'm going to the league. Right. type of Right.
0: Exactly. Like, I'm ready to just jump in right in there. And then the last thing I want to talk about before we do a little bit of spoiler talk is, um, well, number one. I love hot Aunt May. Marissa Tomei. I love her. I know you have a problem with it. But I love that they leaned into it in this one, too. And they like referenced it. Oh, they fully
1: embraced Hot Aunt May. I love it. I'm all about it. Multiple times throughout there.
0: All the the waiter hitting on her and even Robert Downey Jr. And I dig it. I'm 100% for it. But I do want to mention Michael Keaton as the vulture. Because I think it might be one of the best villains in the Marvel Universe. Just in terms of a fully realized character. Because... He is so sympathetic. He's he's almost not wrong. Almost he is wrong, and he is doing bad guy things.
1: See my my only beef with this, and this shouldn't get into too much of a spoiler. Um, my only beef with it is I feel like they jump straight him him straight into villain very quickly. Okay. Like all you get is that opening scene where sure. he loses the job to yeah. the Department of Cleanup yeah, or whatever. Yeah, who it's caused called. that shit? Oh, oh, it
0: was Tony Stark caused that shit again.
1: But again, that's not wrong. Like, do you want regular people cleaning up space stuff that can create these mass weapons and things like that? Maybe. Again, this gets into where we're we're not gonna go off on the tangent. We'll have a whole episode. Maybe we need to do it. Maybe we're just gonna go two hours on this episode. But um but no, that was my if I had a small issue, there's two small issues I have with the movie. Right. Um and maybe we should move on to. Uh, Want to just do it? Yeah. All right.
0: So before we do, before we go into spoiler, Spider-Man: Homecoming is fucking great. You should go see it. If you if you feel like eh, Spider-Man, but just go see it. Go it's, see it. It's a great. It's like a John Hughes movie with Spider-Man in it. Yeah. Like it is as much a, a high school comedy as it is a superhero movie. It's great. It's well written. The cast is amazing. It's funny. It's great. Go see it.
1: All right now spoilers now these may be slight spoilers big spoilers whatever whatever uh so my only two beefs with the movie uh one i feel like like i said i think they jumped michael keaton quickly into villain role okay like i need i feel like i needed a little bit more than i gotta pay the bills like it can't be that you know and i and i get it like that would have cost him a ton of money and set him back a ton ways, getting that job pulled out from under yeah, him. Yeah,
0: especially when he says, like, I bought trucks for this job. I hired new guys for this job. Like, I prepared for this job. I got a contract with the city. But I feel like that's you not— You agreed to pay me for this this work, and now you're going to come in?
1: But I feel like that's not devastating enough to cause you to suddenly become this big criminal that deals weapons and kills people. And I know he only kills one person. And and it was an accident. It was an accident, but he specifically says, "I'm going to kill Spider-Man." Right. So he's intending to kill someone. Right.
0: Because he's threatening his family.
1: Yes, which I get. Once we get further into it, like I'm, I'm believable on that. But the jump that he makes so quickly into this supervillain that's flying around in a thing, stealing stuff, you the life of crime, like that, to me. I needed a little bit more from that standpoint. It's it's a very small, minor It's thing, a minor quibble. But I, I could have used a little bit more there. But again, not a huge deal. And my only other beef is, and, and you and I talked about this right as soon as we got out of the movie, but yeah. um, is at the very end, then planting that seed of MJ. So you've got the yeah. the nerdy girl. The, the kind of
0: Ally Sheedy in Breakfast Club, kind of like the uh, the outcast. Exactly. The ruffled hair making weird jokes. Yeah.
1: Like... And and they drop lines the whole time. And her name's Michelle. Yeah. Her name's Michelle the whole movie. Um, And they drop little lines of her possibly liking Peter. Which Um, I didn't
0: pick up on. I didn't catch that at all. I mean, I guess you could say like she was being like jokey with him.
1: Well, but they have that one line where he says he can't make DC. Right. And she perks up and says... He already dropped out of band, and he already dropped out of... Like, she been paying the other attention one. to him. And then everybody looks over her at, like, why do you know all this? And right. she says, I'm not a stalker. I'm just observant. And there's a little bit of an awkward moment there, which, to me, plants the seed first. Right. And then at the very end, when he walks away, you know, and she gives him crap about, like, where are you going? Uh-huh. Like, uh, she, like, sort of laughs and smiles and has, like, almost, like, that look of, like... I've got a crush on this person. I could, and she's, I could buy that. And she goes out of her way to be in detention when he's in detention. Right. Which she tries to claim that she's always in there. Yeah, but,
0: because she likes seeing people like in anguish or yeah, something like that. But
1: at the same time, the only time she's ever been in there is the times that Peter Parker's there. So they plant those seeds, and then they drop that line of when he calls her Michelle of saying, or when someone calls her Michelle right there at the end of saying, It's not Michelle. It's MJ. Call me.
0: My friends call me MJ.
1: Exactly. And that obviously brings up the history of Mary Jane. A
0: lot of connotations.
1: But it's not like she, because our traditional Mary Jane, Kirsten Dunst, whoever you want to make it. Right. The girl next door. Is the girl next door. Right. In some of the movies, literally the girl next door. In some of the movies, just the character of the girl next door. Right. Um, Well, and and this character couldn't be any different.
0: Well, Spider Man has has had many loves throughout the comic books. Liz Allen, who is the girl he likes in this movie, Um, Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy was always like the popular hot chick. Sure, like as she and she was never really the girl next door. Mary Jane was always the down home girl next door. This is Michelle. This is a whole new character. And so, if if you're gonna call her Michelle the whole movie and have her be this whole new character, fine. If you're gonna have her be a surrogate MJ, just call her Mary Jane, like I, it's not that fucking hard. Like you can make a different Mary Jane, that's fine, you know. And a lot of people are gonna misinterpret it, and a lot of the nerdy fanboys are gonna freak out about it online because that's not my Mary Jane and whatever. But like, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, lean into it. If you're gonna make a hot Matt Aunt May, lean into it. If you're gonna make a, it's the same. It's literally the same problem. Is if you're gonna have a hot Aunt May own it and they did
1: don't try to pass it off and if you're gonna have
0: a weird mary jane have own it but they don't they try to have it both ways we'll have to see
1: and i think maybe they felt like they were being like it was another like little like cute reveal of like everybody's thinking like okay liz is the love interest the entire movie and then right at the end like plant that little like this is mary jane and everybody thinks Oh, it's Mary Jane. So obviously there's gonna be something between them. Sure. And and again, they're they're doing things differently in this series already. So it's not like Mary Jane has to be the person that Peter Parker, you know, falls in love no. with or like we
0: could bring Gwen Gwen in and we could do that whole thing if we wanted to.
1: Absolutely. I mean, not every Spider-Man comic story is the same. So you don't right. have to do it the same in the movie either. I think as long as you're staying true to some of the characters of Spider-Man itself, I think some of the other characters like Aunt May, you can do a little bit different. Sure.
0: Now I don't agree with you on the vulture and I know we're going a little long here, but I don't agree with you on the vulture because, because obviously the vulture starts out like we're, we're doing this work, we're building this thing. And then they come in, the government comes in, shuts them down. He punches that guy out of frustration he doesn't i like i i love this origin of a villain because you don't see him become a villain on screen it jumps six years and so it's it's implied that over the course of those six years that they he probably like for three of those years or or for two of those years or whatever probably tried doing straight like stuff and i understand that the tanker was like i can make cool shit with it and he's like you know what we're gonna change and stuff like that and it implies that he goes straight to villainy. But I feel like if you give somebody a six-year buffer, like I feel like that six-year buffer is enough time to justify the fact that I love that he doesn't have to learn how to fly his fucking wings. He's already, when we see him again, he's already in it. And he's already in He's He's building these weapons and selling them and stuff like that. Um, but I I love that he is, number one, he's justified. I think that he got he's a little guy that got screwed by the government. You know who I'm gonna side with on that one. Like he like Tony Stark comes in and he has a, he makes a great point about, oh, they're they're creating this mess and now they're gonna profit by cleaning up cleaning it up. Like I think that's a really good point. I think But Tony's, they're not
1: profiting by it.
0: Well, they're I mean, you gotta pay guys. You gotta you gotta you you know, these the government, the people, the organization, like if you look at just like the big organization, the man, if you will. To the little guy, the Avengers and Tony Stark are the man, right? And if Tony Stark causes all this shit, which, not to get into it, but he does cause all this shit. And then Tony Stark creates damage control to help clean up this shit. Like, it puts guys out. And it puts him out. Um, And I get it. I just, I, I, I thought it was a really interesting take on
1: it. I loved, no, I loved the villain. And I love his character, and I love his story, and, and I, I love, love the creation of it. But I just needed a little bit more for how he got to point A to point B. To me, yes, they gave you the six-year buffer, right, which and that's you minor. can say that's fine. All of it happened, but you're making the assumptions that all of it happened. Sure, like to me, it's like that escalated quickly from just a down-on-his-luck guy that got screwed by the government right. to some s- super villain that's dealing alien weapons, like. That's a quick jump, even if it is in six years, without having some kind of explanation about how desperate he is. Like, even if they would have just shown me a little bit of him going home after getting screwed out of the job, and them already being in tough place from a home standpoint, right? Would have given me maybe they were. Would have given me a little bit more. But the first house that you see him in is this big, giant, fancy mansion. It's true. So plus that reveal. The reveal is amazing. Um, someone said to me on, I think it was Drew
0: Streeter on Facebook said that he saw that reveal coming and I don't know how he saw that reveal coming.
1: I think you could have heard about it ahead of time, but I don't think
0: the reveal that, that the vulture is Liz Allen's father. And when, uh, he's about to go to prom or homecoming and one of the biggest fears is is a high school, uh, cliche is meeting your date's father, right? And when your date's father turns out to be the fucking villain you're fighting, that was just all of those scenes were fucking electric, intense, and, and I loved it.
1: See, to me, I would I could say someone could have seen it coming if, like, throughout the movie, a theme has been Liz talking about her dad, but us never seeing her dad. Sure. If she was like, "Oh, my dad's always away," and that sure. caused drama and things Little like that. Little bits and pieces. Then I could see that teasing. But we literally we haven't like he even mentions seen his
0: family a couple times. The vulture does, and that's it.
1: But she doesn't mention no. her family at all. No. Plus, you have the the side thing, and this isn't. A racial thing at all, but the fact that she's black, she's black, and Michael Keaton's white, and then you find out
0: that his her mom's black, and and it's like, oh, you sneaky. Then it makes sense, absolutely.
1: But that's why it even you less see it coming from that standpoint. Sure, for us people that don't read spoilers,
0: I do. I want to mention one more thing, and I know we got to wrap it up here, but we went back to Spider Man being young, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this. But I think one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is, and this is a huge spoiler, but when the vulture drops the building on Spider-Man and he's stuck there, that was felt like it was straight out of like a disaster movie, the way he played that. As frantic and scared and just like, just somebody help me, screaming and stuff like that. He turned into a boy again. And like I don't think I've ever felt the need to like, God, somebody come help him. How is he going to get out of this? I like and and I know like we know Spider Man's gonna win the day, but they did that scene so fucking good and the fact that he's young, and plays even younger and the fact that they put him in this peril. But then when he's like, "No, come on, Spider Man, you can do it. Come on, Spider Man," and he fucking lists the build, like lists the rubble off of him, which is straight from the comic books, by the way. I got chills. That played so good to me, and I just wanted to mention that because it goes back to how good Tom Holland is in this role. Um, yeah,
1: he's he's awesome.
0: That's just one of my favorite things about it. But uh great movie. Great movie. Go see it. Go see it. Um, that is gonna do it for us today uh, at the at the popcorn Diet. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Popcorn Diet. Or you can always shoot us an email at the Popcorn podcast at gmail.com or go to popcorndietpodcast.com. Please do us a favor, tell all your friends, tell all your family, like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or soundcloud wherever you listen. But for this episode, for all of our superheroes, that's gonna do it for us. So for the Canadian machine, David Melhorn, I am your good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we will see you next time on a popcorn diet.